From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, a show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya, we talk about good and great, Surrey. That was a little bit of a slow intro from you. Well, last time I was editing and my intro seemed I was talking a little bit fast. No, I think fast, energetic. Tonight okay. we're talking about Prospect 2018. No one understand what I just said then. The movie is called Prospect 2018. It's directed and written by two dudes, Christopher Coldwell and Zeke Earl. His name is Earl. Earl. <laughs> my, my name is Earl. His name is Earl. His name is Earl. Yeah, okay. Yes, okay. So, <laughs> so that's a, it's Prospect. Turn back now if you haven't seen this movie. This is your spoiler warning. Warning, warning, warning. And when you have seen it, come back. Please come back. Please. Please. Uh, how many people will listen to that intro and then just press pause? And <laughs> yeah, they go, ooh, I better stop. <laughs> I better stop. <laughs> watch the movie and then they never come back. Okay. Why did I watch Prospect? Who got yeah. me on to Prospect? Well, Prospect. But why did that thought enter my brain? Great, great movie, but why? <laughs> why? Okay, yeah. Let's move on, shall we? So Prospect, it's a film that came out in 2018 and it's basically about a teenage girl and her father and they're travelling to a remote alien moon aiming to strike it rich by prospecting gems. But when they crash land... They sort of need to utilize all of their natural skills to survive the planet, the locals, and also other nasty humans to get back safely off the planet. Get off That's my synopsis the of it. I didn't I couldn't find a really good synopsis online, which is bizarre because I think it is a pretty straightforward well, film. You but see, anyway. I, I would have you could also explain it as being this is a Western movie set with sci-fi world. <laughs> yeah, it is a total Western. I want to come back to that. It's a total Western, this film, which is cool. And hence probably why they went the Prospect title. So what was your number one takeaway, apart from it being maybe a sci-fi Western? Sorry. My number one takeaway is that in the far future where we visit other planets, colours seem to be important. The moon is called green and there's a Pink man. No explanation. In no. the movie, all from me. No. There is a pink man. That's He's a creepy pink man, that pink man. Yeah, I in, I in the way that it's all set up. I very much appreciate the pink man. It goes back to you asked me on that previous episode, the the you know, the depth of for the fifth element, the depth of you know, the worlds that can exist. And that's a good example of that, isn't it? It's like, it is. it's like, here we are with these characters on their journey. And then hang on, here's a prisoner, the pink man in a weird glass. And was he punishment... a prisoner? Yeah, he was a prisoner. Because the guy said, oh, this prisoner is a strange way of execution. And the fellow said, no, when something about they, they choose to die, they, they come down, we got him like this and they come down here and left to die. Like, 
No, I thought no. I thought it was that he's a prisoner and this is his send. And because he, he said, "I get paid, like we get paid to bring him here and like punish him." Yeah. I, no. Well. Yeah. That was my. We're gonna have to look. I'm gonna have to read back over that script because because <laughs> I I heard him talk about you know strange punishment and, and the other fellow was indicating that as a tradition. Mm. So, well, Christopher Caldwell and Zeke Earl, who are out there listening. Hopefully, I know, to this podcast. I, know, I, know they are. I feel it. I feel it in me waters. I feel that they're going to tune in to this special Space Brains about their film, and that well, they could clarify that for us. That's why we love having those chats with the directors and the writers, don't we? Sorry, I want to know about the Pink Man. We want to know about the Pink Man. Yes, the uh, number one question from your number one takeaway. Number one takeaway: There are pink men in green <laughs> moons. So your interpretation is that. It's something that he's dying. My interpretation is that's his punishment. Like that's the prisoner. They've been sent there. It's covered in pink. But he had like a ceremonial mask on and everything. Yeah. No, I'm standing by my interpretation. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. In that sense, is this a hope warning or an experiment? Total warning. This is all, all, it's almost a horror film, isn't it? Like in a way that they, oh, yeah. that the father... It's a good old-fashioned warning in that the father just chooses greed over survival. And so if he... Because there's, there's literally... So the daughter, the daughter's called C, and she actually literally... After they get that first gem, she says, oh, let's go back to the landing, the lander, their, their ship, and get the hell off here, right? Because, and they even discuss how much that gem would be worth. And he sort of says... Uh, it'd be enough to like pay the debt down, but not really get us anywhere, right? Yeah, we wouldn't get back to Central. We wouldn't get back to the, the, the good, good part, right? But she's like, no, no, let's go. But he decides to push, us on, push on, and guess what? Greed. Always, there is always karma for greed. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, straight away, I'm almost thinking, oh, this is like a horror in that, you know, it's like you've committed a sin, greed, it, it is, and therefore you're punished. It's also, it's a horror because you can't say it's about hope really no, i mean there are, there are hopeful elements in here about people helping each other helping and, each other and getting out and and that's the thing but the theme is not hope no, it's it not is hope. actually a little bit dark you know she loses her father her father was already on the way out yeah she had previously lost her mum yeah uh she had no home she'd learnt that she didn't have a home yeah she didn't have a home and yeah so it's yeah, it's not bright. Is it in that way, sort of that horror, in that you're getting a uh, an increase of um, bad emotion? I, I don't know. Is there a better disaffection? Yeah. I don't know if that's the right term. But experiment, it's not entirely an experiment either. It is a, it's an exploration of, yeah, like vengeance, um, greed... Um, which then maybe it's not a horror, but it's a Western because those things are all Western things, aren't they? Like oh, greed yes. and vengeance. And it also being quite often Westerns, it is a bit of a dark, uh, it's down, a, it's a, emotionally broken world. So it's sort of, yeah, frontier. Frontier, we're at the end of the line. Yeah. Things aren't lone, going well. Bleak, loneliness. Bleak, yeah. You know, yeah, a lot of the times you have have the um, you know the hero of the, of the of the Western wandering through these plains of Utah or Oklahoma or Oregon or whatever, yeah. which like sort of a, there's some trees and some grass, but not a lot. No. And they're wearing you can see they're wearing like heavy warm clothes. Yeah. You know, this is not 
a hospitable place and they're no. all by themselves. Yeah, and that, that's the whole point, right, of a Western is that they are out all alone somewhere and they've kind of got to work it out for themselves in a way. And it, this also made me think back to uh, what one of, um, uh, one of our listener people said about <laughs> why they liked Firefly and Serenity. Yeah. Because Firefly and Serenity are mentioned as being... Sci-fi westerns. Sci-fi westerns, And yeah. they've got similar yeah. sort of feels to this. You know, the the level of technology, the way it's clearly advanced, like they're traveling to other planets. Mm. But at the same time, it looks like, you know, 60s era space technology. Yes. You know, some of the spacesuits looked like straight out of the you know, picture of the cosmonauts <laughs> from the, the Russian, yeah. you know, missions to circle the planet and they were, uh, they so were quite on. crude, weren't they? Like all and the, the land they were in would look yeah. like an eighties set. It did. Uh, so, but the, and that's what this. Yeah, what was his name? Sean David Burke. Burke. Uh, he he said, yeah, he invited us to the this little world, well, the little planet, little planet expo uh, yeah, festival, film, film festival. festival, which we're going to again later this year, yeah. which is cool. And yeah, he said he really liked that that sort of gritty realism where if you want to get somewhere, you've got to work for it. Yeah, and that's a that's a real Western feature that's in this movie. Yeah, they want to get off the planet. They, they there's not just like a nice luxury liner there or no, a teleporter to, to beam them up. They have to negotiate their way off. They've the they've got to cut arms off. They've got to you know mm. deal with possibly acidic or explosive things that are not explained. <laughs> but yeah, and mercenaries and the locals. You know, it's got all those traits of a um, of a Western, really. This is the thing. It's just on a faraway planet. Yes, pretty much. Good old-fashioned. So that's why it's a warning. Warning. What was your favourite scene, sorry? <laughs> well, thank you very much for asking, Mark. <laughs> My favourite scene. My favourite scene was when C and Damon, her dad, yep. come across the old prospecting dig, mm. and there's like a couple of... Long dead prospectors lying Long there. dead. <laughs> and Damon mentioned something about, you know, they, they dove in, they uh, amateurs. Yeah, amateurs. And at I this like point, that. at this point, you're not really sure what they're doing. Like the movie's no. called Prospect. And they said they come here for, you know, a job. Yeah. It's not really told what it is. They get the, you figure they're getting some sort of resource. Yeah. And there's this lump in the ground and he cuts it open and it's, it's all biological and gooey. And yeah. he pulls out that little sack. Yep. And then it's like cutting the umbilical cord. Again, they might say, oh, do you want to cut it? Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, it, <laughs> I'll it, cut it. It felt, it had that same feeling of like a birthing. Yeah. And it, it, there was there was like a little, I reckon there was a little nod to Alien there. Yeah. Because it was a very, it felt like that. You know, it felt like when, um, oh, what's his face, uh, does the dissection of the alien, you know, the face hugger. Yeah. You know, that, that same sort of like, it was a bit clinical, a bit careful. Oh, cut in the middle. No, cut in the middle, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's, yeah, he carefully cuts it and he explains as he's going to his, his daughter, you know, you've got to cut around these cysts because if you pierce one of those, the, yeah. the, the cadmiac acid or something like yeah. that will dissolve the whole lot and, you know, cut it open. Now you're going to wash it. Oh, don't spill that because if you yeah. get that on the flesh, you'll explode. <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering what on earth is this yeah. thing? What's the fluid that they're using when they wash it? And they wash it away and they pull out a gem, yeah. which looks like kind of like a diamond. It's already cut. Yeah. With a bit of amber inside of it. Yeah. And, yeah, this is, this is where C goes, oh, this is, you know, she looks at him one day and her dad says, oh, it's probably worth seven, ten thousand, you know. And she said, oh, that's enough to pay off our debt. And, you know, 
and and the rent on the lander and get us back to you know some station or other. Yeah, yeah. And but that scene, it was just it was so interesting. It was. It was like it was intricate little surgical procedure and mm. multi-step process, which you can understand now why this place hasn't just been strip mined because it, it clearly requires surgery. Yeah. And you know, careful skill and it's dangerous. Because but I think, I think that was also clever because even if you con- connotate that to the Western, uh, and I've looked into a bit of history here in Australia, you know, we had the big Kalgoorlie gold rush and, and surrounding towns. It wasn't ever as simple as that sort of perception sometimes of like, oh, you just go out there and like dig and, oh, I found a gold nugget. You know, like it, it took, uh, it took a bit of patience. It took like, oh, you might hit a vein. And even when you hit a vein, you've got to know like when to maybe blow up rock and when to dig it and, and then what's safe and what's dangerous. And, mm. you know, and they used all sorts of different sort of tools. We can have this perception of the little gold miner, you know, panning for gold kind of idea in the river and it's all fun and games. But there was all this. And I know that it's not science fiction, but that movie, There Will Be Blood uh, with Daniel Day-Lewis as the lead actor, I mean, that film goes through a lot of that process and sort of shows you that time and error and, and some of the realities of someone exploding like a gas, a gas mine or something accidentally, you know, and dying. And, you know, and that, that's the thing here. I really liked that they did go to such attention to detail because it made it feel like, yeah, why isn't there just, you know, a huge mining company digging up and all this sort of stuff here? It's like, Oh no! This is like a something that requires almost a surgeon to perform. Yeah, it was it was, it was tricky. Yeah, and of course it sets up the scenes later on, and it, it does. It gives us the our um, redemption moment for C, where we realise that she's, you know, um, she wants a place to belong. Yeah, she wants to. She just wants to go home, but she yeah. she found out in, in one of the early scenes that she doesn't have a home. Yeah. But she still wants that, and she talks later on about that book that she's rewriting from memory. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And adding little scenes in there, fan fiction. Twilight. She's doing a fan fiction, <laughs> Twilight. Yeah, uh, where she, you know, she wants to just spend time on this freighter with these friends. Yeah, yeah. She just wants to be a teenager. As, yeah, that's she, all it is. She clearly it's has cool. no friends. Yeah. And so this scene sort of captures her motivation, her desire, yeah. but also the fact that she's sort of paying attention and. We get that redeeming quality of of well, we 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 could just this is heaps you know, yeah this is, this will get That's us right. back and all the rest of it. It's to save the cat in terms of that she's not greedy. She she's yeah, happy yeah. like like why don't we take this clear our debt? We don't have to work anymore, or you know we can just sort of start afresh. You can and, also and for most of us that sounds pretty cool. You can also see that she's not you know yeah she's a teenager but she's not just kind of mopey and you yeah know, like a, a cliche. No, she's, not at all. Yeah, she's smart motivated she's got an interest in something mm, yeah so it was it was a really good scene for for summing all of that up uh and and having a bit of that relationship between you know it seems a bit of a distant relationship between her dad and her like, oh totally presumably you know because of the loss of the mum yeah um probably his drug abuse probably probably mum was lost in this his efforts to find their fortune you know yeah. and now he's all he he can think to do i think at the moment is is try to find fortune f- you know for her daughter his daughter yeah. um because let's be wanky sorry he's searching for fortune in all the wrong places yeah sort of 
slimy muck holes. <laughs> That's right. Yes, I like that. Yeah, yes. I do like that. Well, I liked this attention to detail, didn't you? Like this filtered I, air. I loved the fact that it was a planet covered in greenery. Yeah, but they had to wear suits. Yeah. So I like. I really liked, and we even have a moment where see. There's these really weird puffy things, you know, they're like... Farting. <laughs> Reminded me of the labyrinth. You've seen the labyrinth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, The bog of eternal yeah. stench? Yes. And it was just like, they were just like puffing out this toxic plume. And again, you didn't 100%... You know, I think what this film did well at times is it didn't over-explain things. So you just, you know, it's like, oh, the landers there. Like when they landed, we weren't really... We didn't know why they were landing, you know? No. And then... And then you know, the atmosphere is weird. And he says, he actually, the father says to him, he goes, oh, you've got the better filter. You know, and then later even the, the um, what's the other guy's name? Ezra. Ezra, yeah. Ezra even says like, oh, my filters, you know, you know, I need a new filter, you know. So it's like you, you presume, but they don't actually, they don't totally just say, oh, the air is toxic. You know? mm. <laughs> um there's a and couple mentions of dust. There's a couple mentions of dust, yeah. But, and yeah. but I liked I also liked that the filmmakers committed to having this weird filtering of toxic plume in this beautiful forest and stuff. Uh like you said, greenery everywhere. And no but, animals. You yeah, know, no so animals. There was no creatures, no, no birds monsters. Around. I kept expecting like a monster at well, some point. Well that puffing farting things. <laughs> it said I thought it was a pig. Yeah. Because it sort of sounded like a grunting thing, and, yeah. and she walks around with her gun. But it was just, you know, a couple farters. Yeah, but it made it gave me a claustrophobic feeling, and I think combined with the fact that these guys had these nineteen seventies or sixties awful space outfits, it was like it, it didn't give me a lot of confidence. <laughs> no, it was all a bit, all a bit um, sort of grubby, but. I think also what these spacesuits did is it added that uh, separation between them because you couldn't yeah. you couldn't see the shapes of their bodies moving properly. Yes. So yeah, yeah. it's just kind of these rough bags with limbs yeah, coming yeah. out, walking about the place and, and moving. You and then and then also on top of that, sorry, they they're like a, they had to be attached. You know, it was like really old school, wasn't it? They attached to each other through a hose. They had to share their filter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which which is a little bit like it's it's sort of like harking back to those you know the old. Um, uh, scuba diving kind of kits that oh, you know, yeah. like the guy goes down and he's got well, the yeah, heavy the, suit. The helmets were like and the that. pipe. Yeah, it was. You know, and was, those mercenaries they each had a different suit on, set up. Yeah, and yeah. one of them was was quite a you know, like quite a deep sea dive looking mm. one. But it also like, reminded me of like uh, like a prison break in the like a western yeah. movies. You know, where they're, they're shackled together, shackled together. And they escape yeah. the chain yeah. gang, but they're shackled together. They got to find the blacksmith that cracked the. That's thing. right. And so these two were sort of stuck together. Stuck together yeah. like this, yeah. Um, would you dig for the gems or escape as quickly as you could? Oh, man, I guess... Would you put your hand in these oozy-goozy tree roots? Well, it's just <laughs> so so much money, apparently, Yeah, that they're worth. Well, that's what I'm asking. Would you go for the money? Well, if I was already there, yeah. <laughs> Make it worth my while to get off. It would. I don't know if I'd... Go work with those mercenaries. That sounds bloody dangerous. Mm. But I, I can see the guy's point. I've I've felt this way myself sometimes in the past. Uh, when uh, shortly after we first moved over from Melbourne to Western Australia, there was a period there where we 
did not have an, as much money coming in as money was going out. Yes. And it was getting down to the, you know, literally selling selling the motorbike, selling the um, shares, selling, you know, selling off Selling assets everything, yeah. In yeah. order to maintain, because you know, we were month to month, uh, you know, for a, a bit of a while there. Yeah. Uh, and if, if not for the um, kind-hearted nature of some friends and family and things, yeah, we, we we probably would have had to, I don't know. We don't know. We we don't know what would have happened. <laughs> you know, move out of the house and sell it, and yeah. and all the rest of it. So, I can understand that this. You know, I and at that time, I kind of had that feeling of like, uh, I've got to just do anything to make, to make money. enough money. Yeah, that we're not. Yeah, you know, this is first world problems. Yeah, you know, I yes. just say like, I was never really going to be destitute because we had a house that we we're living in. Like we, the bank had a mortgage on it, but you know. We could have sold that, and we well, had, we had good friends and family and, and stuff. Yeah. It's, it really wasn't that big a deal, but it's still quite stressful. And you still, you still do consider, like, um, you know, how do you get away with arson? Yeah, now, if the house is insured, <laughs> and it would be enough to pay out the mortgage, and that would still leave us with a block of land we could then sell for profit. And so you, you do, you don't seriously consider it, but you do kind of understand that Thank that you. notion of. At what point do I get desperate enough to go to this planet where you've only got three cycles, presumably that's sort of three days, to get on there, deal with some you know, who are going to be bloodthirsty, dangerous mercenaries, mm. to get possibly millions of dollars, whatever that millions of currency, whatever they're talking about there. Yeah, you know, like you, you would say that there is going to be a point where you consider that. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of felt for the guy there. Yeah, definitely. I've come out of that stage there. I've sort of got myself a nice job and the kids have grown up a bit more so they're not quite so, you know, demanding of time and yeah. and so forth. But there was certainly, yeah, definitely a stage there where, yeah, there was, I was considering like doing fly-in, fly-out work. I was thinking, you know, well, my uncle does training up on the mine sites. He can just, he can train me up on something like, because he did this for my brother. And then I'd be able to land a, a high-paying job there, fly-in, fly-out. It'd be kind of shit. But, you know, yeah. If you do it, you do it. You do it, and and this is similar. Yeah, harder. But he, he obviously that that guy got pushed to that point where he went up. Okay, go down there, and I think he basically sort of was it the sunk cost fallacy. He'd already ventured so much and lost so much that he figured he just had to venture a bit more. Yeah, because he has to make back on what he'd previously done. So yeah, poor guy. I I. I in that circumstance here, I can totally understand the reasoning for it. Yeah, definitely. And what about... Um, so that's sort of some of the motivations there, some of the gems and things. But what about the science fiction? You like a bit of the science fiction? What is science fiction in this film that gets you going? Well, look, I was going to talk about that whole cutting of the gem thing that you just... Because oh, yes. <laughs> I did love that too. But I think it's the the science fiction bit I like in this is the fact that it's ancient. It feel, it, we're in the future, we're in the distant worlds. We're off in some freaking solar system that doesn't exist, you know, as far as we know. Uh, and But the technology that they're working with and all of these devices, like we said about the spacesuits, it's the same at the start of the film. Like, they're on this rotating satellite thing and when they get in the lander and that, like, you know, all the switches are old... They're the old buttons and the, the, the screens are like, you know, one color. 
They're not, they're not even very accurate. They're kind of like blurry sometimes. They malfunction badly. Uh, and in fact, even when the when the lander malfunctions, the good old fashioned like puff of smoke. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> puff of smoke. <laughs> but it's, it's like not it's very like, spectacular, but effective. No, effective, like you know the, the machine. But it's I, I like. I, I mean, personally, I like it because we watched something like two thousand and one, which I absolutely love. And well, that was made you know in that era, and so therefore Kubrick, etc. They're working off what they've got in front of them. We watch something like Passengers, and it's a futuristic spaceship. So it's got, you know, it's taking our society now, right, and blasting it into the future. But, like, so you take a film like this, which is 2018, and they could, you know, we have these little computer chips in our phones and stuff like that that we walk around. We can watch 4K on our phone or whatever, right? Like, so you imagine, like, in the future, well, no, they're going to be on a spaceship with, like, little tiny screens that are really clear and, you know... But no, like the science fiction, the science fiction bit I like in here is that the technology—it's kind of like it's stuck in the nineteen sixties or seventies. It it adds to that frontier feeling because in the eighteen hundreds, when you're talking about gold rushes, mm. uh, say California or in Ballarat or whatever, like you, you see the um, the beginnings of Ballarat. It was a tent city, so yeah. like these rough canvas tents, yeah. and yeah. the people were wearing you know, rough canvas clothes. Yes. But if you took yourself down to Melbourne or London or someplace, yeah, yeah, the people were wearing suits yeah. and they were just sort of starting to tinker with, you know, steam, steam engine automobiles. Yeah. Uh, you know, things were starting to... So it's the crudeness of the frontier, right? Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. modernity that you could recognize. They had gas lamps to light the streets. They had yeah. plumbing, you know, but... Out on the uh, the frontier where the gold rushes were, yeah, they were living in you know shacks and shanty yeah. towns, and they were wearing you know rope belts and <laughs> hessian sacks. They have a whole cut out of them. I expect. Yeah, so that that's the I agree. So it's a, that's a really good way of putting it. Is that idea of being on the frontier and what that looks like, you know, what that feels like. That we're not necessarily in some high tech paid for spaceship we're in a real working you know industrial and i mean you 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 know this and uh, i know my brother-in-law working um he's been working in a factory in a particular department it's an old factory he's like he's the only one there because the, the the whole thing is remote remotely <laughs> controlled but he's had to go work at this factory for a particular project and um but the thing is you go into that factory and the switches are the old switches so everything in this factory is remote controlled, like someone in IT and stuff can operate it from a distance, remotely, whatever, even probably from another state, another country. But like the switches are the, are the same as in this movie. They're those old fashioned switches, like turn them on, turn them off, like Big manually. switches. Like because no one, they haven't, the machinery has continued to operate, like the switch works. Yeah, exactly. So business doesn't come in and swap it. So you can imagine that in outer space... Like if we, you know, Elon Musk, you know, SpaceX, you get out there, it's like, yeah, we're trying to save a bit of money, right? We're trying to save a bit of money. So maybe the monitor isn't 4K. Yeah, maybe like the monitor what, what is you... like some old green 1980s. Well, there's mode. something to be said about reliability as well because yeah. you get yourself a, I mean, my phone, I dropped it on the ground, it's cracked. It's got some cracks in it. So, you know, if you need something that'll be a little bit more rugged, yeah. then you maybe need a plastic screen instead of a nice yeah. clear glass screen. Yeah. And that's going to get a bit cloudy. Yeah. And instead of trying to go with, you know, 32 million colors, variations in your Just RGB, 
Just go two colours with nice big fat pixels that yeah everyone can they, see. They they don't get damaged and yeah it's easy. And look, to be honest, I don't know what it like a Boeing seven four seven for a captain. Like, I mean, how crude is that actually in there? Like, I've never been in one. I don't know. I think I mean, some of them probably are. Yeah, yeah. Crude. Some of them are probably quite you know f- fancy with with nice screen and stuff. But again, in in aircraft, you're looking for Reliability. You are. Well, <clears throat> it's the 737. But <laughs> depends which company's behind it, I suppose. <laughs> in in general terms. In general. You're looking for reliability. reliability. <laughs> you're looking for reliability. And yeah, if a uh, a manual f- f- toggle switch. Rather than a touch screen. Yeah, works you know, like, you know, for 50 years without damaging and breaking, yeah. you go with that. That's very true. So anyway, that's that was the science fiction that I liked. What about, was this the first time you'd seen the film, Sorry, No, I was, this was the second time I saw oh, this film. So the first time not a was with my wife and it was just a, a Saturday evening. The kids Random were at Nana's and we was like, yeah, like we we're just going through. Date we, night movie, sounds like. We had only recently got Netflix, uh, relatively speaking. Yep. And so we were like, all these movies, I like, <laughs> never even heard of them. And so we got stuck in there, and we, we this is one of the ones we watched. Excellent, and uh, certainly well worth watching a, again. Um, yep, especially with additional eyes for a space brain's point of view. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, very good. And yeah, so this time I watched it on my phone mm. and partially on my computer. Yeah, but the first time was in the lounge room. And yourself? Ah, uh, this was the first time for me. Yeah, yeah, I randomly picked this one. So yeah, and. I just watched it on the big screen at home and yeah, th- I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I, it, it sucked me in, you know what I mean? Mm. And I, I, those elements that we're talking about in terms of like, I liked the father character. I liked the science fiction of it being old and weird. I didn't, them not really telling us what was going on on this planet. You know, that scene you just talked about, the surgery to get the gem out. I was like, oh, this is, like it kind time. of kept getting deeper and deeper and, and it, and it also, I just felt for C, the daughter, uh, so much, you know, like, and we'll yeah. get into the plot, but it just, it kind of like, it really, because it, you know what, I tell you what, I'll, I'll just say this right now, like, I really liked the fact that at the opening bit, she's got those cool headphones. Oh, they're very cool. You know, like, they're very awesome. steampunk, bronze. Yeah, and... you know, like, they're very punk rock for the fact of the world she lives in. They're not these sophisticated earbuds. <laughs> and um, that sucked me in. And the fact that she was playing music, you know, like it kind of straight away. And then the then kind of developing into her dad's obviously never gotten over his wife, mother of her dying. And, um, you yeah, know, and so he's a bit of a druggie. And so straight away, it's like, well, you know, you're you're that you and I are dads. You you don't get to do that. I don't think as a dad, you you have to be there for the kid. That's my stance. Oh, look, and... I've, I've got a little stash there waiting for when Pip dies. I'm <laughs> yeah, going straight and into look, it. there's nothing wrong with uh, maybe binging if something that severe happened to you. But I guess at the end of the day, you're still their dad, and you have to kind of like be their dad. Yeah, I'm. Like, it was I'll... like he'd given up on me. And there's other. I've seen other movies and I've read other stories like. You know, the parent has given up and the child becomes the parent. And that was this example. And they did that very clearly when he does take the drugs and he kind of reveals to her that she was born on this planet, but they don't belong. They don't have a home there. Or yeah, anything. They're, they're and just then she was like, oh, tell me more. And he's like, ah, pass it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 
and then she like tucks him in and stuff, right? And mm. she puts his drugs away nicely. Um, and it wasn't like, I, I mean, I think the thing was these drugs, we see that picture later of the head and the, the, the rainbow above the head. It's mm. like, no, these are probably prescription drugs or, you know, they, they give them out they freely. Knocked, or, knocked him out pretty quickly. Yeah, they knocked him out pretty quickly. So it's not necessarily like it's like he's on heroin or doing anything totally dodgy, but he was, he was a distant parent. You know, he wasn't yeah. being the dad anymore. She was more the mum to him than she... Than, and, and that always, to me, it's like, uh, you, you feel for the kid because she's just a kid, you know? Yeah. But so, that, I also sit and think, oh, I wish my kids would tuck me in a bed. Yeah, I do too. I agree. Make me... <laughs> oh, actually, they did make us dinner the other night. That's pretty good. But this... this uh, Oh, that's good. You got, I've never had that. I can't even get my kids to do Ta- washing. Tacos. Well, that's fine. Can I get my because kids to do tacos? Just chopped lettuce and tomato. Great. So your oldest is a girl. She's, you know, fine motor skills. Some of those, you know, self-independent. You know, when you have boys, they just don't know what the fuck they're doing, do they really? You know, they just... Yeah, I still don't. Until they're like, yeah. Until they're like 30, maybe. <laughs> left, left to my own devices, <laughs> I'll open a can of beans. Yeah, Not baked right. beans, just beans. And just like wash them. Yeah. And that's, put some sprinkle of salt on. That, that's it. You're waiting yeah. for more. That like, yeah, there we go. That's, that's I dinner. still remember like in, early in my relationship with my wife, like, and this is just me, no kids. Like if she went out for the night, my dinner, even though I could actually cook other meals, but when it was just me, it was like piece of steak, corn. That's it. That's it. Done. Done. <laughs> I was just like, why? But I, I like that. Like I like that, but it's just, yeah, talk about Westerns, isn't that <laughs> like a Western? There's like piece of meat. And some corn on the cob. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I... And a beer or something. <laughs> so that's it. I'm done. I'm good for the night. Yeah, so we just got to get ourselves. Uh... Can you, like, they bought, they tried to buy that girl because yeah. mum was dead? Yeah. Uh, yeah, can you. In the movie. In can, the, just yeah, give it in, a bit of context. In the movie. In the so movie. Can, can you. Uh, they're called butlers, aren't they? Yeah. I was going to say, can you pay someone to come and like tuck you in at bed oh, yeah. and cook you yeah, dinner? You, you can, can pay that. Yeah. yeah, you can. You can. Yeah, so just take just take ah. 5% of the space brain's income and put it towards a butler. It'd be easy. Totally oh, affordable. Oh, I have to save it for a robot butler in that case. <laughs> yes, a butler that is a robot. And in fact, that's not been invented, so you just make the butler dress as a robot. You know? Okay, so we're talking about this, this is a bit of a sci-fi. There's a bit of a Western, but... Is this sci-fi or do, or do we get a new genre classification out of this one? I think sci-fi because, look, there's spaceships, there's alien planets, there's creatures, there's a world that we don't know. However, it, to me, is an old-fashioned Western. It it's is. the frontier. We've, I think we've already probably covered this now that I'm thinking about it, but, you know, we're out in this oblique setting. Even though it's a nice green forest, it's all foggy because of the toxins, She's on her own. There's really violent standoffs as well. You know, like there's a lot of, um, you know, like there's a lot of drama that's unfolding. And then when you have these, and Westerns have that, it's like drama, 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 bang. There's like a shootout, you know, between two or three characters. And this film does that, you know, like uh, Ezra and the father, like when they have that standoff, you know, the two of them die, right? The two of them just shoot each other dead. Mm. Um, there's a violent, when they see the locals, they want to like buy her. And so it's like a violent fight to the death, you know, to get away. And then, um, Ezra himself cutting off the arm, you know, there's, so there's like, whenever there's the standoffs, there's a real violent, which is very common for Westerns. Yeah. There's that 
that payoff, which is the the release of tension, yeah, through yeah something Violence. something a bit <laughs> gruesome, yeah, and also even just digging. It, it reminded me a fair bit. It's funny. It's gotten you know if you're out there and you're listening, and you want to really have a go at me, go for it on social media. Let me know that I'm wrong, but let there be blood, which I mentioned before, like. Yeah, there's a lot. There's some similarities in this film of that, and that that is a film about like a man that becomes really rich from finding oil. Um, but there is some similar scenes, and I could see some similarity going on. Mm. And that's set in the old days, finding oil in America, and and the thing, the evil things that he does. It's a great film that one. Not at all science fiction, but um, uh, you know, it reminded me of that. So I'm so I feel like they tapped into this idea of prospecting and finding gold and the. The dirty deeds that you yeah. need to do to kind of—that's another thing with westerns. It's like it's like people taking land away from the locals, and and maybe someone else like kill I kill you, and then I get your land. You know? but, and, <laughs> and it's kind of like all its own jurisdiction. There's no there's no law. There's no police. There's no you know there's no there's no sort of like justification uh, for it's it. It's almost like it's the wild west. It's out lawless, there. lawless. That's the word, it's isn't it? Lucy, yeah. Lucy Goosey. Lawless. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what we're talking about with Prospect. But just on a little side note, have you been up to anything creative? Have you got uh, your little book going on? What's yeah, going on? Th- yeah, this this morning I I went through, I told you I finished this Hansel Gretel. Yep. I, I'm actually, I've read it through and it's, I quite like it. It's it's tickling you? It, it's it's nice. It was hard to re- write because mm. it ends a bit, you know, grim. Oh, but what we're talking about here. But it's, it's, it's inspired me a little bit to go on a bit forward. But I've gone then, um, you know, going through my planning notes that I wrote for it beforehand. Yeah. And I found a couple of things that I'd forgotten to include in there. Mm. And when I read them, I went, oh, I should definitely include Like, I was yeah. really smart to have this recurring symbol. Yep. And so I managed to chuck that in there. So I'm just going through the last little bits. It's almost ready for someone else to read. So that's really cool. But it's also inspired me. You know, I was talking about um, coming up with some sort of a, a, a show pitch or something. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm thinking <clears throat> this world would be quite good for that. Awesome. Yeah, so I just have to... So um, Netflix, if you're out there, Surrey's ready to pitch to you in a couple of months. Yeah, Netflix in, <laughs> in a couple of mu- months. They're looking for Australian content, Netflix Australia, so, you know, it's time to step yeah, up. Yeah, I don't know how necessarily Australian. It's a bit Australian. No, as long as it's made in Australia, that's what counts. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Australian I mean, crew, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think I've defined think any particular counts. place, Western world. Yeah. But that's about it. But yeah. Awesome. Def- definitely science fiction because it's, it's got these big tall towers. and. Mm. Yeah, you've spoken a lot about it. I'd like it's to read this. It's interesting. Like uh, watching The Fifth Element with you know the big towers there, I realise that there's similarity there. There's the same concept of of uh, at some point in the story of the main character, he sees this stairwell. He, he almost gets thrown down these stairs and they disappear downwards. Mm. And the guy pushing him down there says, most people don't realize this, but these things go down almost as far as they go up. Yeah. So you, you see them going up above the clouds into the clear sky. Yeah, yeah. They, go, they drop down. And yeah, I like that People idea. who go down there, we don't see again. Yeah. And so then there's this character walking away. He's looking at this... This building, he sort of sees a shadow around the base, and he can, he's thinking, are we even on ground level? Yeah. Or has someone just built pavement across here? And then you're up in the clouds, of course, you can't see what's above the clouds. Yeah. Are they actually clouds? Or has someone built across there, and, and you're sort of seeing 
the, the steam and condensation yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, up there. Yeah, so I like I really like that idea, and I, I, multiple that would be, layers levels that will form yeah. part of this this conflict. It'd be this sort of mm. Elysium, I guess, the three percent. You know, this idea that the the elite live way up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we believe, and there's this sort of stratification. Mm. Character wants to, thinks they want to get up there, but then you know they want to help their friends. Mm. Uh, there'll be a bit of a hint to show that they are paving over, that in fact some of the towers are starting to be joined together up high up, and there's this concern of we, we're just going to be paved under. There's going to be a new layer, yeah, and we're <laughs> at the bottom of it. Yeah. And, yeah, so uh, there's lots of adventures and thrills there and um, groups and interactions to be had. Awesome. I'm so looking I'm, forward I'm to reading that. that be exciting. Yeah, terrific. Yeah, well, it'll... It'll be it'll be available later on in the next year. Awesome, because we're only about a few weeks off now. Yes, we are. And how about you? Uh, well, yeah, just I think I said last time it, it was like I figured out my themes and stuff, so that's great. And I'm working on a couple of short scripts, um, so that's something that's coming. Uh, the, I think the project for next year would be to probably produce two films, two short films. So that that's all in the in the planning stage at this time of year again with Christmas and stuff but I want to push ahead from that and then yeah the other thing is just this local Mandra network that um, me and another guy have started and just yeah a bit of a little bit of fruits coming out of that already which is great a few connections um, and yeah I just want to kind of also push that ahead a little bit more as well so yeah, nothing as deep or specific as what you're talking about, but just just kind of, you know, a few things burning and a few things starting to have feed um, and a few little, few little murmurs. And your, um, your film so got into great. another festival. Uh, yeah, the memory got into another festival, the Kalakari, I think, uh, film festival off the top of my head. Where's that? India. Nice. Yeah. So it's funny. It's it's had and I've had some rejections. So I think now we're at uh, five, yeah, five acceptances, one award, and six rejections. So the award that was the Cannes Film Festival. Yes, of course. Or was it Sundance? <laughs> uh, both, I think. Actually, both. I think it was. A, it was like they just couldn't decide. They just both gave it to me. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I didn't enter. I did not enter either of them because. I'd, uh, Felt the memory didn't quite meet their criteria, actually, to be honest. But I, I will say on a side note, as a filmmaker, the festival experience has really, like, taught me and I'm going to bring in the lessons from that into producing the next short film, etc. Because it will make some it'll make some decisions. Because the memory itself is... It could be triggering to some people. It's also not necessarily, like, R-rated, bleak and that, but it, it could be R-rated in some people's brains because it's a bit sort of triggering uh, because it is about sexual assault. Um, so I've learnt that, yeah, maybe the film festival circuit's not necessarily the best for a film on that topic. You want to go for something that's a little bit more light-hearted or a little bit more open-ended you know philosophical of, yeah yeah so so it's interesting because a couple other ideas the ones i'm working on they are more uh you know one's a time travel one and one's a bit more of an obscure character driven story they're, but they're not they're not dark and edgy like the memory was oh. so so they might do better at film festivals because of that so that that's kind of been my lesson 
from the festival circuit. It's, it's its own game, you know, the festival circuit. No, you can't divorce the the business side from the art. No, and like when we spoke to Luke Spark, you know, like him talking a lot about that, like hoping that Occupation would, would get a cinema release because Rain, of the... Rainfall did... It's, it looks January, like it has, yeah. Rainfall is going to be in cinemas. Yes, excellent. Australia-wide, fantastic. Yes. We should send it. him a thank you, actually, shouldn't we, for that? Yes. So, um, yeah, so let's get into it a little bit more, some of the details and the plot. Let's breeze through some of those parts. So we are talking about Prospect 2018, uh, written and directed by Christopher Caldwell and Zeke Earl. These guys have worked together on a few projects. A number of short uh, films. A number of short films. Commercials. Commercials. This film as well is connected to the dust science fire, science fiction. I was going to science fire, science fiction. Uh, Science channel on YouTube. Which it is, is it is the Dust channel? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure because it said by Dust and I said I wasn't yeah. sure it was the same Dust. So there's a connection that way. I think I was seeing, reading that they then also did a... There's like a production house that's come out of Dust that made this film, but it is sort of under the umbrella of Dust. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe uh, Christopher and Zeke could clear that up for us if they're... If they created dust or not, I'm not. Too, I, I don't. I kind of looked into it a little bit, but I didn't go deep down the rabbit hole. But uh, yeah, maybe they could clear that up for us, or anyone out there could clear that up for us. But it is under that dust, which is an awesome resource if you are into science fiction. You and should, dust. Like, you should check that. The, you, the production quality is uh, top notch, and they just they've constantly got new content up there from filmmakers all over the world. Animation, you know, stop stop animation. Computer generated, computer generated stuff. stuff, and then obviously uh, actors. They've got some great, you know, little short films, longer pieces. I think um, this film was also they did this as a short, and then they've made it into a feature. So it's kind of again that that example I've heard from other filmmakers of kind of giving little tasters of what a film would look like. Cargo, as a short. cargo, we covered before was cargo a, a did short that film. As well. Yeah, yeah and, and um, yeah, so that's a common strategy. It's like they almost make you make a short to show that you, this is what the feature would look like and feel mm. like and all that kind of stuff. So these guys did do that with Prospect. Um, I haven't seen the short. Uh, it'd be interesting. Probably should go back and have a look at it. Um, yeah, and so it does star Sophie Thatcher. She plays C, the teenage girl, lead character. Jay Duplass plays Damon, or the father. And Pedro Pascal. Ezra. <laughs> Plays Ezra. Um, so we start with C and, you know, we've got this young teenage girl. She's moping a little bit around this space station with her awesome headphones. What I love. And she's listening to this kind of weird futuristic rock Yeah, because what I loved is, is it starts off with that outside. You're, you know, you're looking outside and there's this romantic view of the space and the, the planet, yeah. the moon. And there's like, you know, it's a close-up of her next to the porthole. So you always get the feeling of uh, like a, a cruise or a, you know, you've seen these these yeah. um, ISO shots where people like have the toilet seat and the yeah. photo of it. They'll sort of take a close-up. It looks like they're sitting on an airplane, but they're yeah. not. It's the same thing. So it, it did that. And then when it came in with this music, you sort of get this feeling as if, you know, it, this is flying through space on something really cool. And it yeah. pulls out and you see that she's, huddled just in a little beam of light from this moon in like a, a very industrial tramp stand. And it seems to thing. be just rotating as well, doesn't it? Yeah, like it's, it's not exactly going anywhere, I don't think. No. No. <laughs> 
Um, but I loved, I loved the fact that she was playing that music in those awesome headphones. They're just, they were, that's such a standout. I don't know who came up with that. I love it. Um, anyway, she's on this space station with uh, her dad, uh, Damon, who's yep, he's drugged up. He's a bit nasty to her. Uh, he's a bit, a bit what you and I were talking about before about being quite direct and you know forefront in what she needs to do and what he needs to do, um, and, or, and even maybe a bit depressed. I don't, I'm not too sure, but he's not. They're not connected um, as a father and daughter should be, and it doesn't seem to be coming from her being a nasty teenage girl. It's more coming from him. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, they get the announcement. They're going to they get be the announcement. Drop off. Yep. But this is the end of the line. So, yep. and he acknowledges and says, "Yep, we'll see you on the sling yep. in three cycles." Yep. And so they, they go through a little checklist. He pulls out his little ring binder book, and you know, see, see, uh, displays her skill here. The fact that she's yeah not just a mopey teenager. She's no, she writing in her little notebook. Yep. She's. Flicking through the switches and she's helping out with a checklist. She's she's got her own little binder. <laughs> yeah, and Dad sort of flicks a switch and a light doesn't come on. He flicks it a couple more times and taps it and yeah. it comes on. Goes, yeah, okay, no worries. Love that. Love so that. You, so you know this is this is not high tech. No, I mean it's high tech, but it's not it's not uh, cutting edge. It's not modern, as it were. And then they they drop. They do drop. And it, it wasn't a very dramatic drop. No, it was just kind of down a bit of a rumble, which was. I think that was a bit unexpected, a bit, mm. um, you know, they clearly weren't making a big deal because a lot of a lot of these sort of movies with dropping into atmosphere, it's a big deal. Like it's yeah. drama yeah. and action. This was just almost, um, I don't know, every day. Yeah, well, like it drops and there, it seems to be, it's quite peaceful. You know, there's a mm. moment there and she can see the spaceship they've come from circling and then there's like a bit of a ruckus they hit, and he's like, it's atmosphere. And then the, that's when the puff of smoke kind of happens. Yeah. And, it's like, oh, and he's trying to fidget with the gadget. She tries to do a bit of gadgets. And then they just stop and they've landed. Yeah, like, they've landed. It's like, oh, yeah, has, that wasn't good. You know, yeah, we're, what, we're what, off, was, what was that? We're um, off course and, you know. But it, yeah, but it's not like he's... You know, we've crash landed. We're all, oh, I'm on fire. No, <laughs> Get the, out and jump in a lake. The landing and... was not the drama. No, the landing it was just it. introduction to the world. Yeah, there you are now. And yeah, they are. Uh, they had this technical technical malfunction. I think is actually the wording. So it's like, oh. Um, and so they look at the map and they realise that. And again, she she looks at the map and yeah. she find where we are. He says. Yeah, find where we are, and he and she actually does that. And and you can see on the map that they're a bit of a distance from where they should be. Um, so anyway, they set off, and it's a good example of what I was talking about before with the costumes and the masks and the helmets all being and that funny. Rifle. And, and, and that rifle. Yeah. The ammunition, you get a wind in the hand cranked <laughs> charging device. And, and it's this great. long, you know, yeah, I mean, that's very Western, isn't it? It's very like yeah. old school um, weapon. That always happened there. Um, and uh, yeah, so they, they set off and they enter this alien planet. And that's what I mean. He, he, I like that he says... Oh, you've got the good filter, you know, like, you know, I've got the crappy filter. Yeah. And they go off and they've got these kind of old spacesuits. Uh, anyway, they, they come across this abandoned dig site, as Sari talked about earlier. There's a couple of dead bodies. Um, C takes that all in. He immediately kind of steps into action. And what I also, apart from everything we talked about earlier, 
something that was pretty cool here as a character development was you saw that he knew what to do. He knew his You shit. know, like, like he, he explained each step of the way, uh, but he understood what needed to be done and you saw it done. It was like he was a surgeon. Like he, he you know, he cut here and do that and he said, oh, you got to do that. And he was very fine. There's a moment there. He's like, if you cut this, that's when it all dissolves. And he didn't shake the knife or anything. He just kind of trimmed the head off a little bit on the side mm. And then he like peeled it back and, you know, and it was an amazing scene, that one. Like I really, you've got to give huge credit to the, the filmmakers for that, I think, because it was just such a like intricate layering of like, what the hell is this guy yeah, doing? I know, when I was watching this the like, first time, it was just, <laughs> what's this? And he pulls out this sack and I'm like, what the, what yeah, the hell like, are they collecting? What are you going to do is... this for? And then he does another process and you think, okay, and then another process and finally it reveals a gem, gem and you yeah. go, Ah, oh, I understand oh, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they do that together, and, and it, it was good because you could also, in my mind, like, oh, yeah, he's teaching her what every step of the way is, you know. Um, again, here it's like he, C once says, oh, let's, let's go back, but he chooses greed. He talks about the Queen's Lair where there's more gems. Like, here, this, this one's 10,000. We, we could go to the Queen's Lair and it'd be like millions. Millions of points or whatever, whatever it was, the currency. Dots. Dots. <laughs> and then they could really set up their life and, and go back to home. Um, so they set off again, she very reluctantly, but he's, he's good. Uh, and there's a moment that they're separated and yeah, she, he warns her. She's off her. getting more water. That's right. He has to fill up the bladders. That's it. And um, he, uh, he warns her via the speaker, which is pretty cool. Yeah, That's a pretty cool effect in filmmaking because then you've got one character off in the distance uh, and you can hear everything. So it's it's cool. And he's approached by two other prospectors. Um, one is Ezra and the other one is very silent, but they're brandishing weapons and they start hunting through all of his staff um, and they're quite threatening, you know. Um, and when it kind of gets to the point where Ezra is, well, I suppose he's going to kill him, right? Yeah, uh, he Damon pleads to sort of tell him, "Well, I'm here to go to these mercenaries. We're gonna go to the Queen's lair. It's got millions of stuff. Why don't we just go and take it over? Yeah, like the you, three of us. That big gun you got there. You've got a big gun. I've got a gun. Like you know, I know what I'm doing. The three of us do it. And they the so stagecoach is coming through at three. Yeah, yeah. So let's do it together. Like we can all work together. Stuff the mercenaries." And so Ezra likes that and they agree to that and they walk off, you know, gun in hand. And like you said before, it's like they're kind of trapped to each other. Someone's always holding a gun on the other, which is very Western, isn't it? You, yeah. know, like you lead the way. I trust that you're going in the right direction. You lead and I've got the gun behind you, you know. Um, yeah, so anyway, C's been hiding and so she, she kind of follows and follows um, and with her dad in a moment through the speaker, they agree, oh, they'll do a bit of an ambush. There'll be a point like you'll mm. stop. And I don't know if he says there's a code word or anything. This is when I, uh, when I do something with his speaker. Yeah. So yeah. I think he's going to like flick yeah. his speaker. Give a little bit of a sign that now's a good time to do the ambush, you know. Um, and they do. They get to this port where there's a big river or something and um, they kind of sit down to have a rest as you always do. <laughs> And, um, you know, he, Damon takes control of the situation quickly and she ambushes them. So they're, they're outgunned. There yeah, we go. Got the guns pointing at them. Mm. It's a bit of a, 
a bit of a standoff here. It makes them, it makes the two guys sit down. Yeah, uh, and they they talk about this, and then Damon decides that he's going to relieve these two guys of yeah. their gems. Their gems, yeah. Which clearly is you know, not something these people like. No, and the big silent guy jumps up and grabs his gun. Yep, and Ezra shoots. Damon shoots and. And and C shoots and the the big guy and and uh, Damon are both shot yeah. and fall over backwards, leaving Ezra looking at C, sort of going, uh, "Are you going to shoot what me you or gonna, what's yeah. going on?" And he realizes, "Well, yeah, no." And she runs. She off. runs off. In yeah, she runs off. And then yeah, Ezra hears Damon making some gurgling noises, so just sort of takes him out, shoots him, executes yep. him. So she flees back to the uh, lander, the damaged lander, and it's kind of like a. I like I like this scene because she kind of like gets in there and obviously takes a moment, but then I presume there was a bit of time that went by here. There's a bit of a montage of her going a bit crazy. Yeah, she's a bit listening lonely. to music. She listens to music. She eats the food, but then she also throws the food against the wall. And she also then takes the drugs yeah. and adds that great little picture. It's like it's like a matchbox, but it's like a picture of someone's head with like lights coming out of their head. Yeah. I really like that. And it's very sort of like Japanesey, you know. Like it yeah. looks it looks very um, different, you know. And I liked I liked that. And um, yeah, after she's having her binge and maybe thinking, well, this is it. I'm gonna die. Blah blah blah. Um, Ezra rocks up. And yeah, forces his way in. And oh, she did. She did try to take off just before, and like that's right. Yeah, it's, it's like it didn't tried. work, and so she went. Oh, okay, and that's when yeah. she eats and stuff. Yeah so. yeah, yeah. so she's got a broken lander. Yeah, Ezra turns up. She holds a gun at him when and he fires. comes on. Yeah, shoots him in the arm, and he stumbles back and goes, "Ouch!" Yeah, she grabs his gun. Yeah, and then he says, "Well, you know, we can work together. Give me a um, medical kit, or yeah, shoot me, or you know? kill me." You know. Um, and she talks a lot about vengeance there, doesn't Or he does, actually. Yeah. Like, oh, vengeance can make you feel good, so just do it or don't do it. And um, so, again, it's that theme coming up. Uh, she does pass him the medical and they get... Uh, he fixes himself. He puts this, like... Puts a shot in and stuff and then foam. Good yeah, old foam. Expandy foam. Yeah, expandy foam. So it foams up and he's kind of like... He's in pain, but he can... And he takes some tablets, I think, as well or something. And uh, but so it's like foamed up. He's he's a bit protected. He suggests that why don't they go ahead with the plan? He'll be the miner. You know, they can be the miners together. Yeah, because they're going to need a way off the planet yeah, because the they, lander they, doesn't work. But the mercenaries must have a ticket. They must have some way of getting off. Um, and so she reluctantly does agree to that. As they're going along, uh, they're walking in towards the mercenaries. This queen's lair. Um, Ezra's kind. They're having they're having discussions, and there's a lot of mistrust going on. Is the whole point of that? Uh, but Ezra's wound has now become infected by the air, the black, something yeah, it's like black, sticky. It's yeah, yeah it's, it sort of gets more and more sticky, and he's shaking a bit more. Um, and they they come across well, they come across one random dude, and then he runs away, and they're like, he's like, oh, these are the locals. So they go to these locals, and they're like. The local villagers, um, and they approach them, and they have to put their weapons away. Is the only way they're allowed to come in, and then they do come in, 
And there's kind of a tea drinking ceremony. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit weird. And now my son will play for you. Yeah, they play. <laughs> it's like, okay. And he plays this little, like, little hurdy-gurdy thing. Yeah. About three chords or four chords. Yeah. And he stops. And you think, I was thinking, that's a really crap song. Yeah, that's... and that's what C's face is kind of looking like. Whereas Ezra's like, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah that's lovely. beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah. lovely. Thank you so much. And they give like a tea and they're like, oh, that's lovely. Drink it. The Whereas C's like, Magic oh. juice. Yeah, magic juice. <laughs> And then he's saying to them, well, I'd like, uh, no, that's their juice. I think he's like, I'd like some magic juice for my arm. Yeah. Uh, like, can we trade? And what some can filters. We do? Yeah, some, some, and some filters. Can we trade? What can we do? And um, they come out and they put a big suitcase down in front and he opens it and it's a big pile of the crystals. Yeah, it's like, it's the like gems. A- so they found their first gem, which is about 10,000, yeah. enough to pay off their loan and get them back to mm. the space station. And this looked like about nine of them. And then he's going to steal, yeah, from Ezra, probably about three, three. or so of these gems, yeah. so like, you know, like a small fortune. Yeah. And this nine, 12, like it was in yeah. a nice array yeah. of similar size gems. You're thinking, okay, so now we're talking, that's serious money. That's serious money, yeah. That's, it's not millions, but yeah. that's... That's like they were happy oh, to find them. If we work off they were happy to have numbers. just a couple of gems. They were killing yeah. over like yeah. three or four gems, and here they had like maybe four times that number. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, I, I don't understand." And they go, "Well, we'd like you to have this for C for the teenage girl, yeah. uh, because we lost our mother and we basically need another woman." <laughs> yeah, I, I, the funny thing I would have thought is as Ezra, and I think Ezra was thinking this like, "I can't. How do I sell?" Because yeah. like, I was thinking to myself, "Be like." Okay, congratulations. Yeah. You have purchased, like, and then, like, I, how, what am I supposed to do in this transaction? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, mm. if you try to grab her, she's probably going to shoot you mm. or punch you or something. Like, come yeah. on, this is not just, yeah, I, don't, I don't have her in shackles tied up and, yeah. you know, stunned or lobotomized or something. But it's another homage to Westerns, right? Because it's kind of like, you know, like trading women, uh, you know, trading the tribal women yeah, and stuff the, like that. Yeah, you get the trappers up in the mountains yeah. and they've, we ain't seen no women here for, no. sorry, we ain't seen no women folk, because you're going to call them women folk, <laughs> here yeah. in Manayan three hours. Yeah. <laughs> we, so it's that old like trading a woman sort of thing. But anyway, see if just... She fucking bolts. Good on her. Like she, that. Right, she yeah. just goes, oh, okay, no worries. And she just runs for it. One of them chases her, but she manages to shrug, shrug him off. Well, he, and... he lets her go. Yeah, he does. He yeah. like get, holds the, the weapon or he is up to yeah. her. And then just kind of goes, eh. Yeah. And gets up and leaves. Oh, she's a fighter, pup. She's a fighter. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> she oh, ain't going to be no fun. I think it was a young, the young kid yeah, who's young like, kid. honestly, yeah. this is just weird. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just off your trot. My dad, um, my dad, he's not, you know. Nah, probably just, better for dad to die, you know. Yeah, it'd be better if it's like, we we got to leave. There's no nightclubs here. So anyway, then she sort of uh, sees out there alone in the forest and she sort of sees some of the scenery and I guess a bit of time goes by again and um, her filter is sort of on a red zone, which is never good, sorry. No, it gets to she's the red pushing zone. the red. And she kind of looks not that great. And we saw the big farting anuses. We do see these great big, you know, as you said, they sounded like pigs. They sounded like it'd be some sort of creature, but no, they're just these big farting buttholes. And um, uh, she then gets a bit of a reception, you know, weird, you know, coming in voice. And so she heads towards the voice to get it clearer. And it's 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 Ezra. It's, yeah, and it's saying that. something about it. And then she spots this little 
tiny, tiny little, I don't know, it looks like hunt, a tent, tent. hunt thing. It, it must have been a previous prospecting yeah, tent or something. Yeah, something. He said there's, if she goes in there, yeah, sure enough, it's Ezra. He's been trying to, you know, make a help call. It's mm. SOS. Yeah, SOS. And, yeah, she goes in the tent and there's like this nice little air filtery thing sticking yeah. in the middle. And he gives her like a chocolate bar. And there's like this, there's cases of it in yeah. here. Yeah. So clearly someone left this, you know, some previous, there's a previous rush. What do they call this? Acarite or something. Yeah. Oh, gold rush, basically. There's a gold rush for this stuff. And there's leftovers. Yeah. And so she has a bit of that. And then he's in obvious distress here. Yeah, he's worse. His wound and is worse. He's he's shaking more. He's sweating more. He's, he's not doing well. Um, and he tells her that, well, it's infected. Um, we need to get rid of the arm. And... It's a cool little device, isn't it? Like it's like a Stanley knife, mm. um, but it's electronic. Yeah, and it's, it's funny got different it, settings. It looked like it was just like a maybe a scalpel or like yeah. a craft knife. It almost looked like it had like a nine volt battery stuck yeah. inside of it. <laughs> so it didn't look. Again, it looked like one of these um, something from the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Brought into the future. Yeah. And there's like five settings on it. Yeah. I don't know what the fifth setting's for because the two for flesh, four for bone. Oh, yeah. So what's next? Five is for. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever else you feel like uh, cutting, I suppose. So he again like stabs himself with painkillers, I suppose, and takes some tablets and stuff. And uh, she just begins hacking away. And um, she's really calm. And, and there's a point there. There's a great point where he's like, she's like, oh, can you feel that? He's like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Which is a great response because he's kind of like wincing but not wincing. So yeah, the I've... drugs are doing something but maybe not completely. I've done that. I had some stitches yeah. under local. And yeah, you can feel the tugging and the pulling and the, yeah. you can feel it piercing your skin. Yeah. But it, it doesn't sting or anything. It's just, yeah. it's just, it feels really gross. And I had a procedure uh, early this year that you were well and truly awake for. And they're like, oh, we give you, we give you, um, uh, and I was surprised. I'm like, oh, yeah, put me out. And they're like, no, no, no. We just give you kind of localized stuff. You won't, you won't really know what's going on. And you felt the protrusion, protrusion of what the surgeon was doing because you're awake and the nurse is like talking to you. And talking, they talk through it. I don't know why they have to talk through it all the time. Just like, relax. Just do it. Just take it. <laughs> and now he's entering, and now he's doing. <laughs> like, uh, I don't need to know. I oh, can't see it. He probably shouldn't have taken that out. Yeah. Oops. He's gone a bit too far. He's putting that. <laughs> he's putting that back he's in. He's putting it in. Don't worry. Oh, oh he's putting his watch. Whoops. <laughs> he lost it. He lost. <laughs> Doc, I think you had a watch. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> Was it uh, my good one? He's going back in again. It's not normally like uh, this. My, now we are putting you. It's my good one. I, I better get it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but it, I so I I agree. Like it, I've gone through a couple of those minor operations where you're there and they're doing things to you and you're like, well, you know. And so, I, I anyway. was very impressed by C's calm. Like, cause yeah. I, I even this time having this it's the second I watched it. Even then, I was sort of going, God, what is she? You know, like yeah, she's. Yeah. How come she's doing it? Because I couldn't remember the little conversation afterwards. Yes. But it was just like, if she's really quiet. She was very calm and collected. And he he takes note of that. And I didn't quite 100% get what she says, but she's like, she used to harvest organs in a massive alien creature or something. It would take an hour to wash the blood out of her hair. And so it's like, wow, what the hell was she doing? When she was 12, she'd go inside there and her mum and dad were... Harvesting something or others. Yeah. yeah. Like it was, I think she says harvesting organs from the so-and-so creature. Yeah. 
and it would take an hour. And like, wow. So they'd send a 12-year-old into an alien Again, body. sounding very 1800s. Yeah, like, yeah, it's really, really hard. Dickensian, you know, like, get the chimney sweeps up there. <laughs> yeah. You got a 12... You're a 12, 12-year-old, you go... You're a little 12-year-old. She can get the... She uh, can go up the... The eggs unbroken, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Ugh. But it's cool. Again, that other world, hey, that's going mm. on, the stuff that's happened. So, anyway, so he's, he's lost his arm, and they set out once more to head to the mercenaries and they arrive at this camp. There's not a lot of mercenaries. There's a little sh- there's a little ship. There's the pink man in the glass cage. Yeah, that's it's just a pink man is he's, he's got a uh, don't know if it's they said powdered pink, but I don't know if yeah, is he is he just that color naturally? Do they spray him or and he had yeah, has he become pink because he's in the cage And he was planet. in like yeah, like this plastic this blocks yeah. box and he had a the mask on was ornamental. Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. Was it wasn't it wasn't like he was. Yeah, anyway, he just said. See, so you say that's funny. You say that, but my perception was Hannibal Lecter. Like it was like he was locked in. That was my perception. I thought that that's how I took that scene. Hmm. So I, I don't know. We've we've got we've got two interpretations going on there. So let us know. Is Surrey right or am I right? Okay, let us know. Yeah, or is there another on? one? We or is there another interpretation? Completely? Are we just idiots? People are going, they're pink because, you know, that, that, that's the way they're born. He held his Jeez. breath too long. I know. His <laughs> red face went red, the wind changed, and then his whole body went pink. He's just sunburned, all right? He's sunburned. He's in the cage. Um, so, yeah, these mercenaries are a bloody weird bunch, but I've got to say. Yeah. The, there's, the, they're, they're a hodgy-podgy. <laughs> I said that last time. It's a bit like Fifth Element. There's a... There's a hodgepodginess to this group of mercenaries, which I suppose mercenaries are like you can even look at Predator. They're all kind of a bit unique in their suits and their armor and probably their skill set and mm. what they're there for. We're introduced to kind of the leader, but also then there's this woman who like blasts music into their into their helmets, right? Yeah, so they couldn't overhear her. Yeah, she spoke a weird ass language. And she, yeah, it sounded that? a bit like some of the words sounded Spanish, some of it mm. sounded a bit Russian, some of it sounded, you know, trying to. Yeah, trying to pick out what language that was. Was it? I don't know if it was a real language. Maybe no. it was. Perhaps someone could Maybe. enlighten me. Yeah, and look, Ezra starts negotiating, saying, "Look, we're here. Uh, sorry, we're late. Um, you know, the deal was fifteen points. I tell you what, like, take a couple of points away. We want to. We want to leave. You know, we want to get off the planet. You know, and and they 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 talk a hard bargain. They're not interested in that. Um, they're just interested in the fifteen points." Um, but eventually kind of manages to pull off the standoff again, you know, a bit Western-like. Yeah. You know, you need us to do the tree root Yeah, you want, you want the money, you're going to If you want the money, you're just going to have to deal with it, you know, and we're happy to lose a couple of points, you know. So, and he did, he stood his ground enough and they, they negotiate that. Um, anyway, so they go to the Queen's Lair and uh, there's a mercenary standing watch um, and they attempt to fulfill their end of the bargain by doing that procedure that we saw the father mm. do. And Ezra does it two or three times and just fails Well, every he's time. only got one arm and yeah. it's not his right it's not his right hand, it's no, his left hand he's got. And, and every time he kind of cuts the sap and it like dissolves. But, but these these sacks they're pulling out were huge. many times larger. Yeah. Like that one that uh impressed Damon C and, and yeah. Damon at the start, ten thousand. This was, you know, like that was sort of the size of, I don't know, like a, an orange or something? Yeah. These were more like pawpaws or something? Yeah, yeah like this is almost like Huge. a football size yeah. sort of thing. You're thinking, wow, okay, yeah. And there's a lot of them yeah. in there. So, yeah, this is 
This is, this a is the Queen's lair. That's that's a Queen's lair, all right. Whatever that means. So they all fail. It fails a few times. The mercenary starts getting a bit agitated, saying, "You can't do this." Uh, C has a go, and she kind of gets you know uh, further down the path, so to speak, of getting to the gem. I know, and I but thought she was la- going to do I it. And I thought she was going to do it, but then last second, she kind of cuts it and it dissolves. Uh, so the mercenary, like he throws his hand, ah, you guys are useless. Starts heading off. Ezra attacks him. Fires the gun, kills him, but of course, then the other mercenaries just brutally kills him yeah, by brutally. dissolving him in the dissolving him into it. The, a couple of the mercenaries come running. He's like, "Oh, he got greedy. He wanted, to, <laughs> he wanted a gem," and then they kind of look and go, eh, "I don't think so." Yeah, they see the cut in the back of his. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're kind of like they're suspicious, and they see that he's been cut on his foot. Um, and so there's like just basically a big old good yeah, old fashioned well, gunfight. Well, this is where C uses Chekhov's gun to yep. escape. Yep. And that, that of course, is that we were told at the start, we're showing that if that fluid touches the flesh, there's yep. an explosion. Yes. And so, sure enough, she's she got does. the little fluid bottle there. She chucks in there. There's an explosion. Could it distracts them. Explosion. They run for it, and the yeah. smoke, they don't know where to shoot, and they get off into the trees. They do. And then, so they're in the trees, and the woman with the music comes blasting along. Yeah, she's a psycho. She's just a psycho, you know. She is, and she's speaking on. You always, you always have one psycho. One psycho in there. Uh, they decide that Ezra and C that they can kind of ambush her. So C will go off on one side. Ezra will kind of come out, and there'll be a good old-fashioned ambush. Ambush. You notice that, that Western. Uh, which succeeds and to the point that then when it's face-to-face, they never realise the psycho would have a little extra psycho. It's like she's got a samurai sword that she pulls out last second and just stabs it right through Ezra's uh, chest or guts or whatever. That really hurt. Uh, and he, while he's being stabbed, he just kind of like, you know, stabs her close range in the neck about a half a dozen times. It's pretty brutal, the whole I, thing. He tries it a couple of times, just stab, stab. Yeah. And she's still just this, going him. And <laughs> so, so, so he, then he's he like, ups the little... Yeah, because oh, like, it is the beep, same beep, weapon, beep, isn't it? He puts it up to cut the bone. And, and then he, he, he really gets stuck in there. Yeah. And then finally she collapses. She like... You know, but he's he's messed up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, C comes over and replugs them together and they talk. Yeah, and he and, says, go, like run yeah. away, um, which she does... But she actually goes and gets the medical thing, doesn't she? And then comes yeah, back. Yeah, well, she first of all thinks someone's trying to shoot her. That's right. But it turns out he's actually trying to shoot the red dude. The pink yeah. dude is out of his box. He's escaped. See and again, prisoner, sorry. Sorry. He's just having a bit. He's just trying to get to Valhalla. <laughs> back, bangs him over the head with a rock. And yeah. C sort of runs off back and... With the medical kit. Med kit and more foam on the arm. More foam on in the, the chest, gut. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. wherever it is. Uh, hooks him up to the filter and, and takes hobbles him, him out. The pink dude kind of looks at him for a bit and yeah. just kind of yeah, I don't mind. Shrugs and is like whatever, yeah. like you whatever know. you guys want to do, go for it. And yeah, I don't mind. What are you doing? Hey guy, take it easy. Put your feet up, rest. Ah. That's right. <laughs> so he kind of you know luckily lets them wander off and uh, they get it into the mercenary spaceship and blast their way out and we have this nice kind of repeating shot of when she descended with her father, now they're ascending back up to the spaceship and it's kind of the identical yeah, shot. Yeah, we get, yeah, nice. And she smiles. Like she's Glow like, oh. and they come back. I know, and, and this is where it is like, it's not truly hopeful because no. they didn't get any gems. No. They didn't even, not even that first $10,000 one. No. Not even that box of them that no. Ezra had. No. As far as we know, 
they're Nothing. just as worse off except for the fact they survived. Yeah, they survived. They got their lives. They do. And, well, I guess also C made a friend. Yeah, that's like, right. Like this is Ezra's... someone who isn't her father that they've shared, you know, yeah, difficult do. times. And they've bonded a bit. A um, bit of respect. A bit of respect for each other, yeah. Uh, so, she, yeah, she has a friend, which is funny because you think the next thing is they're basically going to have to go and do another one of these stinking yeah. jobs. <laughs> To get anywhere. To but, get anywhere. But maybe, you know, the thing is versus her and her father, that will be like a partnership. And that yeah. Might, well, that, will might, that will make them more successful. If well, the father had worked Also, her. the thing is, I think she was mainly looking for friends. Yeah. Somewhere to belong. And, yeah, yeah maybe maybe yeah, she right. finds it hanging around these freighters. Uh, with, and, I mean, and Ezra, of course, he seems mostly harmless. So. Yeah. Yeah, you do get that right. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Mostly armless. Armless. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, okay, I've explained it too much now. You have over-explained it. So, what about the ladder? So, for me, this one is coming in at number thirteen on my ladder of the rest of them. So, obviously, it doesn't include the classics. Um, and so, to give it a bit of context, cargo, which we've mentioned a couple of times tonight, for me, other life is like number eleven. Cargo is number twelve. Prospect, that's the movie we talked about tonight, comes in at number 13 and then followed up by Anonymous, or Non, sorry, not Anonymous, Anon is number 14 and the Beyond is number 15. So it's kind of right in the middle. We've got 30, I've got 35 that we've done now, Surrey, and then 10 classics. So how about yourself? Where does this one come in on your I've ladder? got this in, yeah, not too far from yours, a similar place in with... I've got Other Life a bit above it. I've got The Thing below it and Revolt. I was going, yeah, I quite, I quite like Revolt. That's the one where the dude wakes up in Africa and without his memory. Yeah, and he's, he's got all that yeah, so alien electricity or whatever it is. Yeah, so I, I thought it was at a similar sort of, that was sort of a bit of a Western almost as well. Yeah, so I, I put it in that same sort of area there. Again, for me, like, I, I quite liked this. Like, I kind of, you know, the end, by the end of it, uh, I was like, oh, like it kind of charged me up. I had a good feeling from this film. Uh, even though it's kind of dark and bleak and depressing, I kind of, I felt like it kind of quickly, it's not a long film, it's an hour and 38 minutes, I think. It kind of really took me quickly on that journey. There wasn't any sort of slow pauses. I loved the old school science fiction, even though we're in some distant future Um yeah, there's a lot about this that I kind of liked, you know, mm. and it had a, it had that fantasy and whimsical element of being on a planet with these farting anuses. That means that as a human, you can't just go out and wander around. and And I, I kind of like the the kiddiness of the fact that their costumes and the equipment is all so old school. So yeah. I, I I I watched this a few days ago, didn't know what it was about. Uh, and I, I liked the journey for C, and I liked the attention of detail. It felt like this has been made by people that love science fiction, and I think that's where I'm feeling. There, I'm feeling was, there's a bit of love. There in this was film. a lot of it there, and it's something uh, I've heard a couple directors, writers talk about is trying to write a western. Mm. Uh, Grant Spitori of mm. Iron Mother said that his first yeah. script was. A Western. He's gonna. He was gonna single-handedly, you know, when he was a film student or whatever, single-handedly reinvigorate the Western genre. Yeah, and he yeah. wrote this, and, and then he went, "Yeah, well, no, no one buys those now." <laughs> but yeah, I think you can do a Western. Yeah. You just have to 
be creative and you've got to turn make it, into it a more sci-fi. relevant. Yeah. I think because the problem, one of the problems with the westerns, is very hard to you know it's that dry, dusty western thing that doesn't kind of gel with modern life. No. Whereas this, this sort of brings it up, makes it a bit more relevant. Um, makes more sense. Yeah, it, it does. I think, and it works quite well. That's cool. So, what about science? What science are you oh, going to science. pick on from? Well, tell me, tell hospital. me, these gems they were pulling. Mm-hmm. Hey, could you ever imagine being able to pull a gem out of a living, goopy creature? <laughs> no, because we do. But we do with pearls. Pearls, yeah. yes, we do. Pearls. So oysters, classically create pearls. Mm-hmm. But it turns out every mollusk can mm-hmm. create a pearl. Yep. They aren't all very good-looking pearls. Yeah. Uh, but a pearl is basically uh, some sort of irritant. And in the case of the classical pearl, usually it's either a bit of their shell yeah. that they've sort of suffered a trauma, like they've been banged, yeah. and a bit of their shell has gone into their body. Right. Or whilst they've been feeding, a little parasite has gotten in there mm. and pissed them off. <laughs> and the poor old parasite, what ends up happening, or a little bit of shell, is it gets this uh, pearl sack, they call yeah. it, which is not very imaginative. But it's a part of their... Um, endoskeletal tissue. So right. the the goop of their body that's right up on their shell, which excretes the shell and protects them, mm. they produce a bit of that on the inside of their body around mm. this parasite, and it just excretes calcium carbonate and aragonite, which is just another form of calcium carbonate. Uh, but it goes in these layered shells held together by protein. Yeah, right. And as it layers around, you get this silky protein and it's because it's in like scales, almost like fish scales, yeah. very, very fine, that light can pass through some of the layers because there's little gaps in the shell in these, these scales that layer it that reflect off deeper layers scales. Mm. And so the more layers and the thinner each layer, the more lustrous and valuable a pearl. Mm. And there's two primary sources of pearls we have, which is the pearl oyster which is mm-hmm. what we all know and love yep and they're largely only farmed now in bahrain and right. australia yeah up there in broome yeah they still have pearl divers so they've got the pearl farms i went and had a look at these things yeah i had a there was a wedding i went to up in broome and yeah exactly what you expect like um basically chunks of wood stuck in the ground and they seed it with little baby oysters Yep, uh, and then at some point they go through there, and they crack open the oyster, and they pop in a bit, <clears throat> a bit of um, shell. So they've they've got another oyster, and they've scooped off and sanitized a bit of shell yep. into a nice round ball, and they pop this like it's a, so it's a little grain of sand. Yep. In and that mm. becomes the irritant, and it grows around it. All These right. cultured pearls aren't as valuable. As uh, natural pearls, of course, but natural pearls happen like maybe one in a hundred type of thing. Yeah. So they still do get natural pearls because they go down and dig these clams up. Yeah. Clams, oysters, and a lot of them have the cultured pearls in it, but they do get still get some natural pearls because the natural pearls are longer and slower and from a smaller like, like I said, it's a little parasite. Yeah. Not grains of sand. Yeah. They expel grains of sand. Parasites, however, like dig in and, and keep a hold of them. The other source is the freshwater. I didn't realize it's freshwater pearls. Yeah. Because I, 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 I only knew about the, the ones from the oysters. 
I've heard about these, but I don't yeah, I don't so, know what the difference would be, you know, yeah, what I mean? so apart from freshwater sea Yeah, water, mussels but, that live in rivers yeah. leading into the ocean. Yeah, right. And these pearls, they're not as sexy. Yes. Basically, so they're uh, cheaper, generally mm. speaking, but they, um, because of their nature, they can actually be dyed different colors. Right. So there's like your black pearls oh. and your orange pearls and, so and that where coral they get them pearls. From? Right. Yeah, so they're from the freshwaters. Mm. And you know, I thought that was really interesting. It um, is. Because when I was watching this and they're cutting open this goop and yeah. going in, I thought, oh, how weird getting a gem out of you know there's such a, a living. And of course, just like you came up with, pearls. pearls. <laughs> and, and the pearls themselves have been very valuable. Cultured pearls only relatively recent invention. Yeah. You go back... And um, the jeweler Cartier, I'm sure you've heard of Cartier, yes. it's a jewellery house. So back in 1910, I want to say, 1904, I can't remember, mm. his New York mansion that became his show room, yep. he bought that with the string of pearls. Yeah. Like these two strings of pearls valued at about a million dollars today. Yeah, so right. that's what he, he bought them with. Because uh, before cultured pearls, you could only get natural pearls. That's right. Which meant you had to kill a lot of oysters to get a pearl. Yeah. So when you see these, you know, a bead of necklace of pearls, you know, that represents a whole farm's worth of output of oysters yeah. sort of thing. Nowadays, we don't kill oysters to find out if they've got a pearl. We just uh, pop them through like a little scanner. Um, yeah. It's like an x-ray. It probably actually is x-ray, but it's yeah. it doesn't hurt muscles because they're way too simple. They don't have like soft, gushy organs like we do with these little lots yeah. of muscle. And, and it just goes, no, no pearl. And if there's no pearl, they just go back in the ocean to live their lives happily uh, until next time they're picked up to check for a pearl. Yeah. If they have a pearl, we'll kill them and eat them. So, you know. Yeah. You've got to do something with them. But that's okay. They're vegan. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. Do a Google search. Oysters are vegan. Yeah, right. Anyway. But, uh, to go full circle, like, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I thought as well, well, yeah, this is what humans do, don't they? Like, we just kill for money. In, you know, in like, the movie, see, you know, she went in to harvest organs inside yeah, some massive creature. That's right. Like a whale type thing, I yeah, expect. Yeah, yeah. And so, and here they are going to this planet, just like digging open these. Yeah. Like, the other thing I was thinking of was like truffles. Yeah. Where you right. had to, you've got to be specialist, you've got to have the right locations. Yeah. Either and a dog or a pig. And... Yeah, they stopped <laughs> using pigs because pigs eat truffles. Yeah. Dogs don't. That's right. So that makes a lot of sense. But yeah. traditionally in France, the farmers had pigs. Pigs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so truffles, yeah, but I, I got the same feeling is that they went out. They, yeah, they're just digging up these things. There's no concern about what are they. Yeah. Are you causing irreparable ecological damage by destroying? Probably. probably. How long does it take for one of these things to mature under the yeah. soil there? But also, then you've just touched on it with the pearls, like you know, saying that they were worth so much back in nineteen oh five. Yeah, because it was freaking dangerous as well because of the oh. scuba diving equipment. You know, the, well, the, you, the you, out in the open ocean. You know, with the equipment that we have, and if you think about that, actually, like the image of that original kind of pearl diving. As I mentioned, the scuba diving outfit. Yeah, with the hoses. Know, the hose, and... there's so many elements that could go wrong. Uh, whereas, of course, now, as you're saying, oh, an X-ray and all this kind of thing, like the technology and the safety now, into, and even farming them and stuff, whereas, yeah, you go back 100 years where it's like out in the open ocean. In fact, this is quite similar, isn't it? It's like they come across, oh, there's two dead guys here. Yeah. <laughs> That's they, how dangerous it is. They're like, just lying there, just... Yeah. Well, no one's. It's on a moon, 
out in the middle of nowhere that, and yeah, there's a lot of value of money, but, well, yeah, it's a risky prospect, right? Mm. Should name a movie. Should name the movie, yes. Yes. And pearls, of course, one of the other values in pearls, as soon as you get something that's valuable, and this is true of pretty much every gemstone, medicinal uses. Yeah, right. So they've been used for skin care and particularly Chinese medicine. Yep. I assume they just sort of had enough wealthy Chinese people back in the imperial China to be able to buy pearls to crush up to use as makeup. Yeah. Could you... Could you imagine that? That this yeah. each pearl costing a couple thousand dollars equivalent, you just crush it up and just brush it on your skin to make yourself look pretty. Yeah, well, why not? Why not? You'd have why to be not? so wealthy. You would. And you yeah. know, bone repair because they think it's like a bit of bone you're eating it. Uh, there has been some research done uh, into the health effects of pearl powder. Yeah. And I'll just having a bit of a look here. There's a an article on ScienceDirect.com called The Efficacy of Protein-Rich Pearl Powder on Antioxidant Status in a Randomized Placebo-Controlled Trial. And that's by... Uh, Run, I apologize to all of these authors right now. Hui Fang Chu, Su Chun Xiao, Yan Yin Lu, Yi Chun Han, Yu Chen Shen, Kamesh Venkatakrishnan, it's like an Indian guy makes all the Chinese guys. Just yeah. to throw me off and make just it harder for me. Yeah. Actually, we're just going to call you Han Lee for, to make it easier. And Chin Kun Wang. And they, so they tested this on in vitro, so in little glass dishes yeah. with a particular bacteria. And they were C. elegans, which apparently is a bacteria commonly used for testing... Sea the, monkeys. Sea monkeys. <laughs> sea monkeys for, for testing... Um, various oxidative stress. And so they were looking at how well this might make it live longer or reduce oxidative stress. And they found that, yes, it does both of those things. Yeah. So if you want to make your bacteria live longer, the protein-rich powders of pearls works. Mm, Sounds good. Humans, who knows? Probably not. <laughs> but anyway, rub it all over my body. I like that pearls are just fascinating things. And the idea, because we also get like ivory from... Yeah. Sea creatures, yeah. tusks, and so on. We shouldn't, but historically we have. And there's been yeah. uh, a bit of a, a rush on those at various times. Like mm. when the United States, the northern states like Canada, which is not a state of the United States, I'm saying. Yeah. The can- northern Canadian <laughs> states Canadians. were being opened up by the French and the British. There was quite a lot of trade on the fur, but also on the ivory, walrus mm. tusks, bone from whales, yep. and so forth. So the idea of just going to a new frontier and chopping up creatures and sending <laughs> the crap back is has been with us for quite a while. Yeah, we seem to keep doing that. It's a yeah. habit. It's a habit. We don't do it as vigorously now, but our frontiers are microbiological more than anything else now. So we well, are. It, isn't it? Uh, isn't that going back to? Probably that greedy theme, isn't it? It's like when we first discover something and go, oh, shit, this can make a lot of money. And then we just do it. And then it's like someone goes, yeah, do you realize that you're sending kids inside the belly of a beast and cutting out its organs to get better looking eyes or something? You know, it's like someone goes, no, we shouldn't be doing that. It takes an hour to get 
the blood out of her hair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, we've invented a new shampoo. Now it only takes yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, but, okay, well, yeah, sure. But 20 to invent that new shampoo, we've got to get, send little tiny babies inside. <laughs> the, the shampoo is made out of. <laughs> you don't ask. It's, you just kill the babies of this alien species. Think Who of cares? <laughs> more legs. Yeah. You know, smaller. Yeah, it's not great. No. Don't, don't talk about the shampoo. No. <laughs> but it is better at getting blood out of hair. Yeah. Which is helpful. Mm. Most of our enterprises. Uh, what is the old saying? Do and then ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> Easier to ask forgiveness than ask permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I think if you did put it to the vote, yeah, should we go to this planet and brutally destroy and kill whatever Species, life? Form? Yeah. We don't even know what the life form is. Yeah, but it's got a gem inside of yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> these gems are awesome. They're very pretty. <laughs> They're very nice. We don't even know what use these gems no, have. That's right. They could. They could be the future of. They could um, be like kryptonite, right? Energy, they could be yeah, like, like some sort production. of energy source, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, this film doesn't get into. That's right. You, you and I, I'd presumed, oh, it's a pretty looking gem, but like maybe it is like coal, right? Like maybe it's an energy source. Yeah, you just don't know. And, and interesting enough to the prospectors, it didn't matter. No, because no, it's just the value, right? So anyway, that's that's me um that's a bit of science a bit of biology there on, yeah pearls um, pearls in oysters yeah and without and if you get a chance here yeah, head on up to Broome and j- jump a ride on one of the pearl luggers and see some whales jump in the ocean don't get eaten by sharks <laughs> sounds good that's what I did avoided being eaten by sharks I wasn't yeah well you're here today so I presume so well most of me's here today <laughs> <laughs> You are bending that knee rather weirdly. <laughs> yes. Okay, so cinematography here. So it's it's not much... <clears throat> it's a bit different to some of the other movies we've watched, I think. Yeah, I think some of the technicalities I'd just like to touch on is that this cinematography, two things. We're up close, we're tight, we're personal, right, with C and Ezra uh, and the father. So we don't get a lot of these, you know, like location-based wide shots. But then at the same time, we do have shots of the forest that kind of create the forest as a bit of a character. Um, it, it kind of creates a setting. And sometimes films do this really well, and I think they did this quite quite well, that I kept expecting um, a monster, a, a creature, another person, whatever, to be in the forest. Mm. But it was just the forest, you know, and I think... Um, you know, even like you said before, we came across like the sound of like, sound like pigs rooting away and snorting and, and, you know, like eating or something. And then when she turns, it's just these little bubbling, puffing buttholes, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, puffing out the, the toxic gas, you know, which is obviously deadly. So it's pretty, pretty version. Sounds but... like my daughter, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the forest, like we had some of these weird shots, like where the characters were off doing their things and, we just sort of saw the trees and we saw up close and we saw the the plumes of toxicity and yeah so it was kind of like it, it added to an element and in fact that there never ever was a creature or there never ever was something else um i think that's a reason why i liked this film it wasn't as well, even though. a bird that i saw no. there was nothing, no, or insects i don't think they showed any insects either uh no there was a little weird like caterpillar thing oh caterpillar. that's right there's a little caterpillar but thing. apart from that there wasn't really there wasn't anything no. else so that was interesting. Um, Actually, I wonder if that caterpillar was included on purpose. Like, yeah. was that was that in the script all along? He wanted to show that as like a something interesting, mm. or if it was just on the day of filming, they saw this 
weird ass looking caterpillar because yeah. I think it was a real caterpillar. They just shot it and they just went, changed the that color. looks alien. <laughs> yeah, we'll take a shot of that. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's something we need to find out about. But yeah, there's the trees swaying and the, the leaves brushing and the little puffing smoke. Like, it, yeah, it, I don't know, it just felt like the forest was a character on its own, but it never, it created an eeriness and a tension, but it never delivered. Like it never was like there was and a there, fatal blow. There from was the a forest. scene there where they're lo- looking around the camera. Did that kind of, you know, there's a that tense, deep, vibrating, you know, bass sound, and the mm. cameras had moved in on some dark areas of yeah. the forest. But there was never and there anything was nothing. there. Yeah, there was nothing there. And I guess that might be that homage to the western. Like you'd have those open plains, those huge rocks, you know, that they have in the middle of mm. America, wherever. And it's just like sometimes in those westerns, they just linger on them. And it's almost like the setting is saying you can survive this, you're tough, you know, like mm. you're rough and tough and ready for the frontier of the unknown. Like, you're at yeah. least as rough and tough as a teenage girl. That's right. <laughs> um, the music, we had this weird futuristic rock music. She listens to it. Um, I believe that the actress is a musician as well, which is kind of interesting. Um, uh, but, yeah, they, there wasn't anything. And then the other... It's interesting that she played the music, C, and then the mercenary woman was the one that played. Yeah, and the music. she used it as a C used she, it to escape and to live in her fantasy world, yep. and this mercenary woman used it as a weapon. As a weapon, and it was an old timey, almost like French World War Two sounding rock kind weird of weird, stuff. weird rocky. I don't know. I mean, it's it obviously like not rock music. European there, ethnic yeah, sort of sound it was bizarre. to it. But it's interesting that the two women had the music. You know what I mean? Like. No, the men didn't was have that, the music. Was that the, the mercenary woman some sort of a shadow of C? Maybe. Because C, the music is enjoyable yep. and she's on purpose and she's using it to lose herself. The mercenary woman, in contrast, uh, is projecting the music mm. to deaden other people. Yep. Rather, rather than block other people out of her own world, she's deadening people out of her world. Yeah. Like so, it's almost like a, a mirror. I only just thought about then. It's a bit of yeah, a bit of a, a mirror, bit of a mirror contrast there. And yeah, is that where C could have gone had she hung around with her dad? But yeah, you're right. Ended like up that, instead of if you were greedy, that's where you'd end up as yeah. a mercenary, mercenary. Whereas C is not going down that path. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Interesting. That is yeah. layers of an onion. That is that you got to like wash and get a gem out of. Mm. Um, I've talked a lot about. Uh, the symbols, but yeah, like the spaceship, the spacesuits, the headphones, the buttons, the lights, the helmets, the weapons, they're all so crude compared to where we should be. But I think, I believe that the filmmakers have done that deliberately to kind of make it connect to that idea of a Western that, like in Western, you have like the white man with the gun out in this environment where they don't really fit. You know, like it's them trying to, you know, I've, I've going to film school and stuff. They talk about Westerns are like that male dominance over an environment that they don't necessarily fit. And once you moved beyond the original Westerns, you always got into that point that the Indians, the indigenous people were like much suited to the environment, mm. you know, whereas the white man and quite often it was that they'd talk about in Westerns, a symbol of like the train line, like they're building the train line, they're forcing it. Urgh! penetrating, blowing up a mountain, sending, you know, a train through a big mountain and 
destroying the environment, you know, and when you get to sort of something like Kevin Costner's Dance with Wolves, there's a real sort of understanding of like the white man versus the indigenous man, you know, and, and that, and so um, you kind of, I think in this, it's like, again, it's a symbolic version of like the natural environment of the planet versus, and it's like green and beautiful forests, but it's toxic. But here we are, we're just in there, and you're exactly right, there's no explanation. Cut this tree root, pull out this possibly living organism, do things to it to get this gem Yeah, that's worth money. You know, and so it's very similar to, again, what we do in the gold, gold rush that, you know, let's just blow up a mountain and for the sake of this well, it natural also reminded me a bit of uh, Pale Rider, where yeah. you had the, in that you got the prospectors panning for gold there and the there's that one who's trying to crack his way through that boulder because he's convinced there's something under there, but it's all very manual. It's a bit thankless. And yeah. then you've got the, the landowner dude who's just like hydro blasting the mud yeah. heedlessly down. And that's kind of shown as being a little bit callous, yeah. but not it's not, true, it's not really a very environmental message in that movie. No. You know, it's, that's just what they're doing. They're there just... Going through, and, that, and that's the, the difference there between the, the prospectors who are doing that one little gem going, oh, yeah. this is really good. Yeah, yeah. To then the mercenaries that are sitting there on this big treasure trove and yeah. like guns out and all sorts. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and also with the editing, that the fact that we have this filter of the toxic plume in the air. I've seen other films where they've kind of done a bit of this idea of maybe dust or something like that, but they sort of tone it down. Whereas here, the filmmakers, they, they kept it consistent throughout mm. the whole film. They never swayed from the fact that the air had all this crap in it. Um, and they kept it consistent for the whole film. It never went away, you know. So the scenes where they are with the locals inside their little hut and inside the cabins and that, the man-made stuff, yeah, it's not there, obviously. But anywhere in the forest, it's always there. It's consistent. Yeah. Um, and I definitely have seen other films that... They tone it down a little bit maybe as the story progresses because, of course, you can't quite see the character's face and things like this. But this film, they just consistently... Well, they wear helmets the whole time, so yeah. you sort of lost that battle already. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, sorry. That probably brings us to the end tonight of talking about Prospect. Uh, and we'll move on to our next one. So let us know on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, website, email, Twitter. You can find us pretty much just by looking at Space Brains Podcast through all of those social media. Let us know what you thought about Prospect and what you thought about what we've detailed. So hit us up and, and let us know what you thought. And our next episode will be, it is Surrey's pick. It'll be a 2008 movie from Britain called Doomsday. Oh, Doomsday. I picked it because... It's called Doomsday, mm-hmm. and it's R-rated, right. 18 plus, and it's unusual to get an R-rated 18 plus film, and that's for, for sci-fi. violence and so forth. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. Um, I have not seen it. No. I've not heard of it. Bob Hoskins. Okay. Interesting. Which is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, you know what we're going to be talking about next episode, so... After you've let us know what you think about our thinking on Prospect, go watch Doomsday so you can catch up and watch our next, listen to our next episode of Space Brains. See ya. See ya.